0: Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane.
1: Five o'clock hour here on a Friday. Man, what a few weeks it's been. What a month and change it's been. It, uh, it kind of finally feels like things are slowing a little bit in terms of the hype train and, and now we we're settling in, right? Urban Meyer, Trent bulky yeah. We've heard from Shot Khan. I think this is something I thought about the other day. We've heard from Shot Khan three times in the last three weeks. Three times. Yeah. You might have to go two calendar years to hear from <laughs> Shot Khan three times. Seriously. You're not wrong. And I wonder if this means he'll talk even more during the seasons now. Yeah. If people want to, to hear from Shot mm-hmm. Will he be more available like that i don't know Uh now he's had reason to talk yeah but he's he also didn't have to come into this next one with trent bulky mm-hmm. you know this latest zoom call and he did so uh i think that's even interesting uh, so now where does it go we have senior bowl next week by the way shapes up like we're going to be there for a couple of days uh, i'm not going to tell you about what's after that but uh Stay tuned, as Shot would say.
2: Oh man, you're not going to drop the schedule quite yet.
1: No, it's okay. a crazy schedule, but I want right. to make sure we're we're locked in and ready to go. Um, so, uh, just you'll catch us on the road quite a bit over the next couple weeks. Just uh, let's leave it at that. And then obviously we lead into the Super Bowl, and ironically we're not going to the Super Bowl. So on the road doesn't include the Super Bowl. We're not we're not doing the Tampa Super Bowl. We just don't know how it's going to be covered and and yeah. and what's going to be there for us. So it's very hard to predict uh, what to do. Uh, but we're taking a little bit different of a road trip, so we'll tell you about that uh next week uh, and on our journey. So I I kind of look at the calendar man, and I go, okay, we're up to the Super Bowl. After the Super Bowl, we get a little Daytona 500. But in the NFL world, we're really going to start looking at like these mock drafts. We're going to start looking, shock your mock. Yeah, oh we're, yeah. We look at and and what like what obviously the the. The evaluation process is going to be different this year. There's no combine. Yeah, there Then the pro days are going to now take on a more important role mm-hmm. because, you know, we've argued this before. There's two things that I've argued in the past. Do we need the pro days anymore? Yeah. The pro days aren't for the high-profile guy anymore. They're for the other guy, mm-hmm. the other guy or, or the JU player that used to go over to Gainesville to get in front of people. Mm-hmm. So there was value. But as, in terms of the top prospects, well, that's that's the combine. That's plenty of tape they've already had. They've already done their work. You almost don't even need to go to some of those pro days. Well, now you're going to have to go to the pro days. The other day that I say was is silly is or time period of the year is OTAs. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, what's the value of them? And and JC Treader, the NFLPA president, uh, the players' union president. Has basically said, "Yeah, I think we could do away with those," and we haven't seen a ruling or where that might land. But do they need to do the off season after what we just saw this year? Yeah. Another topic that we'll have down the road. But we're getting into that off season, and now we're probably some six weeks away from free agency and all the rest. Uh, so the buzz certainly will pick back up, but I think it has leveled out at least for for the moment. No, without a doubt, you know, and obviously, you, you definitely feel for some of those the, those small school
2: guys. I mean. Like, I always come from the philosophy, though, if you have good tape, you will get a shot someplace because that's just the way the NFL works now. Um, if you're too good to be denied wherever you are, whether it's D3, whether it's uh, where's Ben Barch at again? He was at uh yeah, St. John's. St. John's. Yeah, I mean, th- they're going to find you. Um, so obviously it could be a little bit of a longer road right now, but if you
1: got the skills uh, – you're definitely going to get a chance. Okay, let's go UFC real quick. I want yeah. you to get your chance here uh, before we get back into some football sure. talk. I've got a conversation I want to uh, – here's the headline of my conversation coming up on football, okay? In college, it's crystal clear to me, and I've always always said this, the college game is about the head coach. Mm-hmm. In the NFL, it's about the player. Mm-hmm. And so how interesting is that dynamic here in Jacksonville when you have Urban Meyer? It used to be all around the head coach, interesting. but now it's about the players. So yeah. that's the headline of our conversation coming up about football in just a moment. But uh, this UFC card, overall, we know the headliner is yeah. is McGregor. Yeah. How's the rest of it? Well, listen, the rest of the card, Um, I mean, listen,
2: it's it's one of the best cards of the year, if not the best card of the year. Anytime Conor McGregor is on a card, like obviously fighters are chomping at the bit to get on that card because that means all eyes will be on it. So I can sit here and break down, you know, fight by fight, but let's be honest. You guys want to hear what I have to say about Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier. I'm not oblivious to that, so let's get into that real quick. Conor McGregor is the biggest name in mixed martial arts, right? Like, you could say Khabib, and then there's a school of thought that would would argue with that. But to me, Conor McGregor is still the household name. He's the polarizing figure, maybe in all professional combat sports, even in boxing. When we talk about Conor McGregor and what makes him so great, Brent, like, if you look through the facade, and I call it a facade with all due respect, but if you look past the million dollar watch, and you look past the, the, you know, the, the the tattoos that he has, and you look past all the trash talk and the proper 12, you have a man who is considered, in my opinion, one of the best strikers of all time. Now, why do I say that? Muay Thai, kickboxing, boxing, Sambo, there's a million Things that you can train to be a successful MMA fighter. But at the end of the day, don't get it twisted. It's super simple. You you hit somebody's button in their chin, and they go to sleep. Mm. You choke somebody out, they go to sleep. That's what you're trying to do. okay? And in terms of hitting that button, cracking somebody on the jaw, nobody does a better job of that than Conor McGregor. He always lives by the philosophy, which I love, precision beats power and timing beats speed. He has that in spades. That's why he's such a, um, you know, just a, an awe inspiring guy to watch in the cage because, yes, he is polarizing with his attitude, but his skill set where he's able to find that button. And it's one thing, Brent, if we're on the heavy bag, we're hitting it and everything like that. Yeah, anybody can throw a punch, but try throwing a punch accurately when you're in a firefight, when guys are throwing punches back. That's where, obviously, the cream of the crop can rise a little bit. And Conor McGregor is the cream of the crop. Now he's fighting a guy in Dustin Poyer who he's fought before, and Dustin Poirier is no slouch himself. They fought back in 2014 in Dublin. Obviously, it was a very, uh, you know, crazy atmosphere in terms of Conor McGregor. Poirier got got clipped the first round, and since then, Poirier has become a champion. He's fought for the belt and has become considered one of the best fighters at his weight division. So Poirier, after that fight, learned a lot. So let's just quick break it down, what's going to happen. We've seen in the past with Conor McGregor, how do you beat him? You have to have a good grappling base, and you have to have the ability to push the pressure and take a shot, a la Nate Diaz and a la Khabib, two guys that have beat Conor McGregor. Dustin Poirier, the first fight that he had with Conor McGregor, he got hit in the back of the head. It wasn't a clean shot. Didn't get cracked on the chin, but got hit in the back of the head kind of by the ear. It was a legal shot, but it was kind of considered a lucky shot. Needless to say, though, Dustin Poirier has felt Conor's power. So he knows in the back of his mind that he can't absorb those shots, especially a shot on the chin. So with that being said, I don't think Poirier's got the skills necessary to beat a Conor McGregor. Now, yes, Poirier can take a shot. He's got good cardio. But his wrestling, I just don't think um, is, is high caliber enough to take McGregor down and keep him down. And as far as striking on the feet, I think Conor McGregor has him there too. So I can see Conor McGregor definitely taking this. He's saying he's going to knock him out in the first 60 seconds. I think it goes round two. Give me Conor McGregor with the knockout round two.
1: Wow. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, and it all comes down potentially from what I understand what you just said, basically the grappling game. I mean, yeah, I- yeah. if you, if you can do that against Conor McGregor, you got a chance. Exactly. Um, along with taking the shot, like you said. Another well, interesting yeah. well, the thing about this is, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, too. So,
2: well, so we, we, we talked about this too before, Khabib, right? And, and you actually called this, right? So Khabib, um, he supposedly retired, right? And he's retired at 29 and all because of it. his father passed away, and he didn't want to go in the cage anymore without his father. Uh, and you said this. I remember, like, are you sure he's going to retire? I'm like, if a ball people are going to retire, it's going to be Khabib. Well, Khabib right now is he's, he's going to this fight. Yeah. And supposedly the speculation is he's going to see what happens in this fight. And if he's impressed by somebody, he might come back
1: for his 30th fight. So there you go with that. So yeah, uh, there was a lot of conversation at the time. Yes, yes. Uh, regarding that, uh, one other thought. I think this is wild to the average, you know, fight fan. This is in fight. It's in Fight Island. Yes. And so it's like going to be seven o'clock in the morning. We figured out right seven o'clock in the morning when they fight real time over there, local time, because I it's going to be so. on around 10 o'clock here? Yeah,
2: so I think by the time McGregor and Poye enter the cage, it'll be around 10 o'clock, and that translates to whatever, like, 7. So, like, essentially, these fighters will have to get up. And keep in mind, this is the main event. So imagine being, like, on the undercard. You have to get up, like, 3 o'clock, I don't know, 2 o'clock in the morning or you just fight. don't go to
1: bed. I mean... I guess not. But, like... Like, I'd rather fight at 2 in the morning than 7 in the morning.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'd rather not fight, quite yeah. frankly. But... Well, and I'll be honest with you. I'm very curious to see how this is going to respond to the fighters because we've seen in the past when they've had these fights, they've actually uh, adjusted to the time that's there, you know, at the, in uh, Saudi Arabia, right? At, yeah. at the Yaz Islands. So like we've seen them adjust to that time before. Well, now they're trying to adjust, I guess, to the more of the U.S. schedule. So I'm curious to see how these fighters' bodies are going to respond from being on the U.S. schedule because keep in mind, they've probably been there for maybe three or four days. Like I'm not sure how long your body needs to acclimate, but I, I think some of these fighters might be a little tired when they
1: go to the cage. Well, yeah, I guess that's part of your training. I, yeah. I just think it's wild because we don't see that in sport. Nobody does that in sports. Now they might slide times. You might play later at night. Listen, the yeah. the NCAA tournament, the final, the championship games played at like nine. 06 mm-hmm. okay so that's a little bit later but there's a lot of basketball games that get played at nine during the college basketball season mm-hmm. right the nba plays later at night I mean, the nba doesn't cater to a tv audience to try to play at eight in the morning now it wouldn't make sense to either so this is an apples to apples but golf this is by the way still stewart's line this is the closest ufc and golf have ever been together yeah, 7 a. Yeah. A. tea time in the cage <laughs> but like even like the british open Or any event like the Ryder Cup, that's way like we have to wake up and watch that. Now part of that's daylight too, but I just think it's really interesting from a marketing standpoint Mm -hmm. that is carrying more weight than potentially the athlete being in the prime, best condition, shape, time. Like because if you ask any, uh, if I ask you this, right, your next fight, which which maybe is a couple months, yeah, 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 would you rather fight at? 10 o'clock at night or 8 in the morning. At night all day because that's 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 what I'm accustomed to. But even even if you had to adjust to do it, you'd still wonder what your body would do, right? Without a doubt. And so it's it's an odd thing that the – the competitor has to adjust that drastically to fulfill the marketing time frame, which in this this case is late evening in the United States. Well,
2: and I would love to pick Dana White's brand on this, too, because obviously he's trying to cater to, like, the U.S. fans, right? And, and like, I'm not sure, like, on the grand scheme of things, like, how many more pay-per-view buys would take place in the States as opposed to Europe, like... Yes, you have an American fighting in Dustin Poirier, but let's be honest, people are tuning in to watch Conor McGregor. Absolutely. And like I'm not sure what the time difference is in Ireland, but one would think that the Ireland fan base, I mean, they're going to watch it whenever, but maybe you'd cater to them a little more, more than even the American fan base. Yeah, that's a good point. It's curious the fact that... The U.S. fan base is getting catered to, but, like, when's the last time you saw Americans go crazy over, like, an American fighter in UFC? You know what I mean? Like, you have John Jones, who's arguably the best fighter of all time, but you don't see people in the streets holding, you know, the, the U.S. flag saying, let's go John Jones. Like,
1: it's not no. that hardcore. Well, which speaks to what you just said, is there's a chance, and, and I know this sounds silly and it might be wrong, mm-hmm. but there's a chance Conor McGregor has more appeal in the U.S. than even in his home country. Maybe. There's a chance. I, Maybe. I find that. Unlikely, but yeah at least if it's not more yeah it's got to be pretty darn close well, to cater to them in, the, in this sense uh, well
2: i'm gonna say this though i mean you know pre-pandemic the the rumor and i think the plan was is that they're gonna have uh fights in ireland and they were gonna have him in a soccer stadium of like 70 000 to eighty thousand people okay the so plan on selling that out yeah. so like i mean don't get it twisted like he's got a huge following in ireland and really ireland is what put him on the map in the first place
1: nonetheless the united states is a big appeal for this event
2: it's a it, it's obvious it's a, it's a big appeal like people are going to tune in and watch by the pay per view, but in terms of like the hardcore fans, like I don't know, it's it's it's, it's interesting. Okay, yeah. uh, well,
1: interesting to see you got Conor McGregor back at it tomorrow. Uh, and again, I will say this from my vantage point, as you know, unless Austin says, hey, t- take a look at this or, or yeah. watch this fight mm-hmm. or whatever. I will be interested. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'll be locked in, but either way, I'm going to be like searching around, finding out, okay, what's going yeah. on with the McGregor fight. Like, yeah. he is one guy that I will say, okay, he does that for me more than Khabib does, yeah. more than John Jones does, more than any anyone does. Yeah. Uh, I think Rousey had that appeal for a lot of people, she too. Did. It's like, okay, everybody's talking about her. Let's see what she did. Yeah. But even bigger, obviously, is McGregor. And McGregor has that kind of appeal. And I, I think there's some of it, it's like you'd like to see him get his face bashed in sometimes because yeah. he yaps so much. But then there's another, <laughs> sure. we kind of like the, the villain nature of. Of him, yeah. like, like kind of put our well, arms around him. It's a, he's an interesting character in sports.
2: Well, and I'm telling you, man, I've watched like a lot of documentaries leading up to this fight. You know, this past week and brent believe me when i tell you he, he's a changed man it seems like like ha- having his family there um ha- having his two kids there like this is a different conor mcgregor here now we'll see what happens when it gets in the cage because in the cage is different right and the, it's all about business but expect to see if conor mcgregor wins on the microphone even expect to see a different type of dude
1: I yeah I, I read an article where he spent like two and a half months in portugal i think to, yeah. to get ready and train yeah. and get the cardio back all that stuff i'm so. sure I'm sure he had a yacht over there too and stuff so. most likely yeah um uh, portugal's very nice it is nice so uh he he could have done that um anyway did we uh enough ufc talk to counter yesterday's golf
2: <sighs> let me go in and see if hooter's texted us back quick i think we're okay
1: yeah, okay we're, we're, uh, we're good we're good so back to football now we go um <laughs> but anyway I, I did enjoy that conversation so uh, check out the fights here uh, here's uh, the deal on the football side of things as we kind of put a bow on the week of urban meyer and trent Balky now and all the rest There's something that I saw a tweet from Robert Sala, uh, some sound from Robert Sala Mm -hmm. with the New York Jets. And this is what made me think of the topic. It, It referred my mind back to last Friday's news conference with Urban Meyer. And Urban, in that news conference, I still have yet to count up how many times, but many times said we need to have the best of the best for the player, for the player, for the player, for the player. It's like echoing in my mind, right? Yeah. And... Then I hear Sala talking something similar. Now, Dan Campbell's news conference had a different feel. I didn't see the whole thing, but some of the highlights of it, that didn't necessarily jump out at me. How important is it to say I'm in it for the player right now in the NFL? Maybe more so than ever. And I'm not saying it wasn't important in the past, but we've seen the dynamic change. The brand is big. The power structure in terms of how much power the player has might be happening right now in Houston. Deshaun mm-hmm. Watson can decide, essentially, if he wants to ever play again mm-hmm. for the Houston Texans. Mm-hmm. Jalen Ramsey decided in Jacksonville. Yannick Ngakwe basically forced his way out of Jacksonville, whether the Jaguars wanted him or not. We've seen it happen. Minka Fitzpatrick, there's other stories about it. And so my my point here is I really feel... Like the coaches that have been hired in this cycle, or at least a couple of them, Urban Meyer included, Robert Sala in New York, are in tune with that. They They know that. They know that's an important part of it. Yeah, selling tickets, being good on the field, establishing your identity, being tough-nosed coach, playing fundamental football, being disciplined. All those things are important. But the one thing I continue to hear out of these news conferences is player, player, player. Listen to Robert Sala and what he had to say. Um, just a little clip here in his uh, in the latest media availability with the New York Jets.
0: In my heart, in my heart, I do believe that uh, there's a respect level with regards to how things get done when people are uh, trying to do things together. Uh sometimes there's that notion of coaches coach, players play, and that's I, I've never taken to that to that notion. I believe that coaches and players are in this thing together. I believe that the investment that coaches put in the players has to be the equivalent of the investment you put in your children. I mean, you've got to invest everything you have in your heart and in your soul into those players because they're relying on you to help them be their absolute best so they can show, showcase their skills on Sunday. I think when players feel that investment and they feel that, you're giving them everything you have. I think they can't help but reciprocate that that investment and invest back in you as an individual. And so when you get that investment reciprocated and you got investments on both sides, it becomes personal. And when it becomes personal, it becomes very, very, very special.
1: So that's Robert Sala talking. Uh, you see, you love that, right? Well, and don't you get the sense though when you say you love that that there are fifty three players on the Jets roster, and maybe there's seventy or whatever because of all the practice squad this year. Yeah. But they are tuned into what he's saying right now. He hasn't even addressed the team. But he it's almost like Salah is talking no, to listen, the player. Listen, um, because we've heard Urban Meyer say some of these things
2: too, these are two guys right now that get it. They understand the landscape. You ever seen the show Westworld on HBO? Yeah, I haven't seen it. Cool, you seen it? Westworld?
1: I never watched it. I run across it and flip
2: by it. Good. Really good show. I recommend it. But in this show, basically it's about robots, right? And all of a sudden the robots become self-aware and they want better lives. What you're witnessing these past couple years in terms of the NFL is that you're seeing players become more self-aware. Whether it's with contracts, whether it's with um, grievances, whether it's with how they're being handled with coaches, GMs uh the players are starting to speak out more and stick up for themselves more. And then doing that, they realize how much power they truly have. Like, for whatever reason, the past couple of years, whether it was two years ago or three years ago, whether it was like Le'Veon Bell, I don't know. But all of a sudden, these players woke up and said, you know what? The wolves, oh, I'm sorry, the sheep outnumber the wolves. And that's where we're at right now. So it takes a special type of coach to see that. It takes a special type of coach to go, you know what? The landscape has changed uh, even in the past five years, and I have to cater to these guys because, like I just said, at the end of the day, whether you like it or not, the players finally realize this, the sheep will outnumber the wolves.
1: Okay, so keep in mind the context Mm -hmm. of of where we've gone to, right? This was like, you know, just think Tom Coughlin, what did he come in and say? We're doing things my way, man. We win lunch. You better be here. I don't care if it's voluntary OTAs. So take that dynamic. From 2000 and what was that, 18 when they didn't show up or maybe 19 when they didn't show up for spring um, stuff. I think it was 19. Mm-hmm. And now we fast forward to this where you hear Robert Sala talking the player. You have this Deshaun Watson stuff happening. We've already been through the Jacksonville stuff. Mm-hmm. Minka Fitzpatrick, again, forced a trade out of there. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, Jamal Adams, right? And so you want to talk about getting it. And again, I think it's very important to say this. While the coach, if, if I was sitting here with Nick Saban and, and Urban Meyer talking about college or Ryan Day or Dabble Swinney, and I said this to them, they'd want to punch me in the face. Yeah. But I fully believe deep down it is all about the coach at the college level. Mm-hmm. It's about that $10 million coach who's building this CEO kind of approach to their program. And yes, they, they are in it for the player. I'm not trying to say it's not. But the bottom line is we look at a college program, we look at the coach. We don't look at the third. 36th guy on the roster right in the nfl urban meyer is still a very big deal Mm -hmm. he's going to get paid handsomely to be the big deal he's going to be that ceo but we care way more about trevor lawrence we care way more about james robinson miles jack dj chark and, and those guys than i think has a feel of it in college and so i think that's a transition thing for urban meyer to understand that and i think what he showed last friday to me is he did understand that it was like he was talking to the player to say hey we're gonna push these guys but we're gonna give them the best take a listen to what urban meyer said this is just one of the clips from last week
3: well i believe everything is there's a one way that people who work for me with me uh they'll hear a statement that is this the best of the best and if it's not then the question is well why and that's the same thing I'm doing on every every time I walk through everywhere. We did that at Ohio State. We did that at Florida. Is this the very best? And if it's not, then, especially when you start talking about player welfare and safety and then just the players. And if it's not the very best, let's have a chat and do what's very best because, you know, the, the Jacksonville players are going to get pushed. They're going to get pushed. In return, we give them the very best. That includes the coaching staff. Number one, the coaching staff, you know, does a – a big hot tub, much different than a small, have that much of a difference? I didn't say that, but I just want to make sure it's the best of the best. And and Shad is very committed to that, as well as this organization. But that that's something that it's hard for me to answer right now, but I think within months you might see or hear things that we're, we're doing the very best we can for our players. Well, and that question
1: was about facilities, by the way. So and that's where the context of that came from. But how many times did he just say best for the players, best for the players, best for the players? Sure. You know, I think he understands that. And again, I, I'm not – I think he did that at Ohio State and Florida too. I think he tried to get the best for the players. That's why they have big facilities. Yeah. But I'm just saying from the perception standpoint, it's still, in my opinion, is all about the coach in the college game. It's not like that in the NFL. And I think he will – that will feel different to Urban Meyer – I like the start, though, that he understands that at the NFL level. And by the way, it's probably the biggest shift this organization has to make. I just gave you a reference to 2019, man. Mm-hmm. That was less than two years ago when Tom Coughlin said, I don't care if it's voluntary OTAs. We need 100% participation. Yeah. That is totally different than the tone Urban Meyer just took last Friday.
2: Sure, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, you're you're absolutely right. I would say the Patriots are always the outlier, right, because I think it was more about Belichick, because you see some of his players, what they went on to do at other places. It That's wasn't, good point. I mean, now Tom Brady's the man, obviously, but everybody else, um, to me, it was the Bill Belichick show. But you're absolutely right. Um, and Urban Meyer understands that. And I think the fact that he is taking care of his players, quote, unquote, um, shows that. But I like what Urban Meyer is doing because we've heard this a couple times now. And we hear him talk about the best of the best for the players. And I'm actually going to quote something from one of my favorite animes because this reminds me of something from that show. And it's uh, it's from the Law of Equivalent Exchange, to obtain something of equal value must be lost and sacrificed. Urban Meyer is going to put up the best of the best in the best. And that is going to be the prize. That's going to be like, that gets you through the door, right? It's like, dang, check out whatever, these hot tubs. Check out, you know, the, the food that we're eating. Like, sushi to taken care of. But something must be lost to obtain that. And what you're going to give up to get that stuff will happen on the football field yeah okay it'll happen during practice it'll happen during otas and training camps so in a way he's taking care of the players he's showing that he appreciates them and that's what players want more than anything
1: sometimes but in another way he's building a culture at the exact same time it's genius yeah it's in and but it's a great understanding of what needs to go on because i say this when i tweeted that quote out the part of that quote where it says we're going to push our players but we got to give them the best Mm -hmm. i remember colin johnson like i'm Ten minutes later, like the tweet. Mm-hmm. And because my point in that is players like to be held accountable. Competitors like to compete and be pushed to their absolute best. Not everybody. But at that level, they certainly do. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they do want to be catered to. They do want the best of the best. They like to go home in their Ferrari if they can. Yeah. They like the cool locker room and the good food. But they also want to get the best and maximize their potential. That's what makes a one percent athlete, in my opinion. So, but that's also a little bit human nature if you like to compete. Mm-hmm. You know, think about it this way: if I, I, I tell like Kaylee, I say Kaylee, we're gonna go, uh, we're gonna do some um, speed and agility stuff. You know, with, with a with a guy like in the area that that coaches that yeah, up. Specializes hates yeah. going. Yeah, absolutely hates it. Yeah, right. Like it's like I'm not going. <laughs> right, yeah. and then so she ends up going because make her go or whatever, and. It's not like she says, I love that at the end of the day, but she did it and didn't complain at the end. You know why? Because it's like me going for a run. I hate the idea going for a run. But on the day that I hate the idea going for a run, when I went for the run, I come back, I feel good. Sure. Right. Yeah. And so that's exactly what you're kind of talking about. That's kind of like the hu- the mentality of a human in a sense where you don't like the idea of getting pushed on that football field, yeah. of, of really having to do all the things you're about to do with yeah. Joe Cullen yeah. and yeah. everything on, on that field, right? And getting yeah. yelled at in the details. But when you're finished with it, you if appreciate you, it. If you buy into it, if you oh you because gotta so buy there, it. There's gonna be certain, some guys certain. that aren't gonna buy into that's it. That's fair enough. Yeah. 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 There's always some that don't. Yeah. Um. But to maximize the best, you have to buy you, – you normally have to buy any of that or you're just super gifted. <laughs> sure, no, without a doubt. <laughs> you, you know? Without a doubt. Um, and, and that does exist as well. So I just – like the, the mentality that – the psychology of that is interesting. Yeah. And, and I think Urban's doing a good job laying that foundation, again, and I think it's important in this context, in a place that most recently did not feel like it was for the player. No, for sure. Right? Yeah. But, and basically just what I'm trying to
2: say – and, like, I guess this is me kind of talking to the youngest team right now in the NFL. When Urban Meyer says these things, like, you're getting the state-of-the-art stuff, yes, you're excited as you should be excited. But what you may not understand <laughs> and what you're going to learn very quickly is that comes with a price. Yeah. And, and it's going to be a price of the effort that you put in just, like, to win a Super Bowl. That comes at a price, and that price is paid long before the playoffs, long before the regular season. That price must be paid in the off season, and in OTAs and in training camp.
1: Yeah, I think uh, – and, and hey, you know why it worked in New England, and we know why it works at the big-time programs in college? Because at the end of the day, usually, now, usually there's a lot of Ws attached to it. Sure. Right? There's success attached to it. People are getting the most out of their potential. All mm. those things. Well, yeah. And hey. like you told, me, you told me, we were talking about Joe Cullen yesterday, right? You said Terrence Knighton yeah. it was like great hire. Yeah. And you even said, you were kind of like, hey, it's kind of funny because – he hated playing for Cullen at times. We all did. did. Yeah. But then years later, you appreciate it, right? Yeah. You appreciate And now Knighton's coaching. Yep. And so he's doing the things that Cullen he's, was preaching.
2: And I'm sure he's doing exactly the stuff that Joe was teaching
1: him. It's, yeah. just, it's a fascinating psychology, but one that's probably needed in Jacksonville. I, I know I'm kind of belaboring this point. Yeah. But the fact – see, Meyer's talking to the players that are here, mm-hmm. the players that someday will be here. Mm-hmm. But he's also sitting there talking to his owner, too. And, hey, just like we discussed – we need to do better internally for our players. Yeah. We need to do better facility-wise. We need to do better food and health and all this stuff-wise. We need to change this whole thing. Yes. So that message is for that message was not for, for the fans. Sometimes opening news conferences was for the fans. Yeah. I took Meyer, especially in that moment, but a lot of times during that news conference last week, that message was for the players, mm-hmm. the players that will someday be a part of the Jags organization. And also, just to clamp home and ex, put an exclamation point on what he had discussed with Shad Khan, this is how we're going to change
2: it. But also the fact that you see the blueprints going up already, the fact that – an Urban Meyer understands this. Now, he hasn't coached a game in the NFL yet, but I feel like he already understands this. One of the hardest things to do in this league is have sustained success. Yes. Every team can get lucky. Every once in a while, the stars can align, and you can have a a miracle season, let's call it. Like the Jags. Let's call it 2017. Let's call that a miracle season. But it's harder to have that sustained success. And players, like, listen, whether you're in college, whether you're in high school, I don't care how old you are. But when you're in the pros, there's a fine balance between, obviously, busting your you-know-what in training camp and being like, man, this is overkill. Right? Right? But as long as you win, and as long as you have sustained success year after year, there's a method to the madness. You see the results. You know that the, you okay, I gotta pay this price because I've been here before. Like we've had, I've seen it work. I've seen the success, so I gotta buy in again. 2017, you had guys buy in, but what happened after it? Oh, I got it. Like it, the, the, the the rains were lightened up a little bit, and yes. you saw what happened. The team fell by the wayside. One year, flash in the pan, and then we we called you overrated, and we called you as a fluke. What Urban Meyer, I think, understands more than anything right now is the fact that this isn't a one-year thing. Like, you may come out and you may win eight games. You wouldn't may win nine games or heck. You may win three or four games. Who knows? But he understands that to build this thing requires sustained success.
1: Well, you know what's interesting? As you bring that up, too, I go back to 2017, and we have talked about this quite a bit. But there was almost like a mutiny in that locker room after training camp, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they were ready to just revolt. They yeah. were no, I know. I'm laughing because I know.
2: And then, I'm, I'm then they beat
1: Houston and went and whooped their butt, yes. right? And they're like, okay, well, maybe that was worth it. So that's a little bit of what you're talking about, right? Yep. Don't mind being pushed. Just give me the what's on the other side of it. Yep. Well, okay, that works through 2017 when you win and things are good. It's like, yeah, we're turning the corner. It was worth all that. It was worth all that. It, we were pushed. Practices were tough. Great. Well, let me take you to 2018, and I just wonder if this is a little bit a part of it. What changed from two thousand and seventeen to two thousand and eighteen internally for the jags did they get a new locker room out of that? did they get a new hot tub out of that? did they get a a better plane with more roomy seats out of that did yeah. they did they, with, with all that investment from the player was there anything different in two thousand and eighteen and seventeen No, the only thing they did get was a lighter training camp yeah. right and, and and obviously that didn't work but i 'm just saying like did they have enough internally to give back to the player. Yeah. Right to sustain the success, to be like, hey, we still got to give them these shiny toys. We've got to show see, him improvement. There's investment in here. Was there any more? Inv- and by the way, this is not a, a, to criticize Shad Khan too much because he had already invested in the locker room and the the weight room and all these things. Yeah. But I just wonder, was there enough there to show the players? See, what, for that effort, we're getting this. I mean, is there a little bit of that with the NFL player? See,
2: I look back at 2017 and the fun that was had on that team. Right. What I think happened more than anything, and like, yeah, maybe you should have gave him some shiny new toys, but like nothing compares. I don't care how state of the art of of, of, of crap you put in that locker room. Nothing compares to that moment when you beat the Steelers in Pittsburgh and, yeah. and then that plane ride home. And then, you know, you come back to the stadium to a bunch of adoring, cheering fans saying we're going to the Super Bowl and Jalen Ramsey's doing his thing like nothing you can buy compares to that moment. And what I think happened from that moment to 2018, it was almost like they were the lost boys and then it became Peter Pan. Where they forgot. They forgot like how special that was. And when they were in training camp, for whatever reason, the reins were loosened up a little bit and they thought that they had, it, and they think, yeah, we can get back to there, but you got to remember the price that you paid in the first place. Yeah. And yeah. And they forgot all about that. And then they expected the same results and you didn't get that. So like, Listen, whether that's on the coaches, the players, maybe a combination of both. Like the coach's job as the leader is to remind them, like, hey, guys, we were literally one play away from going to the Super Bowl. And do you remember like how you felt when you left New England? You remember how devastated you were? You Remember the tears that you cried walking off that field when we saw them firsthand with the players? You remember that feeling when we beat Pittsburgh and, and how excited we were? Like, nothing's going to match that moment. So let's go ahead and try to get back to that moment and get an even a better moment
1: go to the Super Bowl. I feel like that wasn't reiterated enough. Well, and and just to bring it full circle here about the college game, that's exactly what happens in college. And while yep. some people may go away from that team, what did Ohio State do all year after losing the Clemson? They put it up on their video boards yeah. in their gym. Yeah. They played that card. Yep. They said, hey, we got, you don't find that in the NFL, right? was no. almost like this sense of satisfaction because Under the, the Jags had the done NFL. something that hadn't been done in a while. Yeah. And it's on to the next one in NFL. It's just yeah. a great. It's like at, at the elementary level of it sounds stupid. Like you're listening to me. I'm like, really, Brent? Like they won enough games, so go give them like another cookie. Yeah. Like that's what it, like get, get them a, a, you know, a new what? Yeah. You know, but in essence, you have to reward the players' efforts. You have to appreciate the players' efforts with more than words sometimes. Sure. And. Instead, it was probably just Tom Coughlin, let's go roll it back again and do it again. And and the dynamic in the Jags organization, again, someday we'll do the 30 for 30. But the dynamic was, I think they were starting to be a little bit less buy into the way things were done. Like, yeah. I don't care if we have to do this again to get here, but we don't want to do this again to be here. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's why I said that like, they
2: must have forgot them Because yeah. if you would have remembered those feelings of beating Pittsburgh, you would have went through it again. But yeah.
3: s-
1: s- somewhere along the lines, they forgot. Yeah, so it's, uh, it, it broke off. But uh, I think that's just fascinating. And keep in mind, uh, I do think uh, Urban Meyer majored in psychology. Yeah. I did he really? Yeah. I mean, it makes a lot of sense yeah. when I hear him talk. Yeah. yeah. And you can kind of sense like he gets gets the mind of the player. I love it, man. You need that. I like it, too. I I think there's a lot of good things going on here at Jacksonville. Uh, You know what else is good? 15 minutes from the weekend for you. Let's go. How about it? Let's go. What about you? No, you got some most. I got a UNF hoop game tonight. I got some TV tonight. But ESPN the, Plus or not tonight? ESPN Plus Let's tonight. Let's go. Then Connor McGregor right after meet him tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back at ESPN 6 tonight. Brent Martino. All right, Jason Fitz. Thanks for checking in, man. We didn't try to keep you too, too long today. We, we, we gave you a
3: shorter Austin Lane. Hey,
1: Jason, real quick, man. Since you have oh, that Bowling the Coff Award,
2: um, you know, since you can, you know, vote on that, Murray State's got a couple good receivers. <laughs> now, they, they didn't play this year, okay? They didn't play a game this year. But Murray State's got a couple good receivers. Just check them out real quick.
0: Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 6. This is what I truly believe about
4: Tom Brady: is that if he wins, and he says, "I just want to go live life," like living life to him is playing football. Like he loved it; he absolutely loves it. He'd rather do football than anything else in this world, other than probably be with his family. He said that since day one. I remember as a young, young rookie coming in, and I was doing something like there was, you know, they offered one of these internship classes that I could do, and going into my second year, and I went and did it. And i in the back, and he's like, what are you doing? Why aren't you studying your playbook? And I said, oh, I'm, I did, did this real estate class that they offered. And he goes, Castle, if you don't dedicate 100% to what you're doing at this job, then you won't be here for very long. This is the best job in the world, and you need to put everything that you have into it so that you can be successful and play it for as long as you can. And that's always been his approach. And so I, even if he wins the Super Bowl this year, I can see He's always said, I want to play until I'm 45.
1: Who says, 70% chance we can't guess who that is.
3: I also didn't listen to the audio,
1: and he said his own name. I know. What did he say, though? Oh, I was kinda missed it. I was kind of halfway <laughs> listening.
2: Uh, hang on one second. Let me I'll type in one thing real quick. Uh, is it Cody Kessler? Because he said Kessler, didn't he? It is. No. He said I'm Ke- so glad oh, that- oh, Matt Castle. Yeah. Castle. <laughs> Come on. I wouldn't have got that. All right. Well, that's the point for me. I'm, well, I'm, wait, I'm wait.
1: crushing you today, by the way. You gone. If you if have gone... If you didn't know who that... If he didn't say his own name, yeah. you could have gone ninety nine percent we weren't. I was that. I was
0: convinced oh. and then I heard him say his name and I went, Oh, like
1: what's Matt Castle doing? Is he still playing? Is he a backup somewhere? <laughs> I don't it, know. Seriously, it, like we should do a game named the backup. Yeah. Because like who would have guessed Matt Schaub was still playing up until last this past year? It's a good point. It's a dang good point. I mean up until like a
2: month ago. Matt whatever.
1: Castle. Matt Brennan Castle. Uh he Brennan.
2: is, that's his middle name. Um, last year was 2018 with the Detroit Lions. Okay. Not sure what he's doing now.
1: Uh, this... Calling into ESPN shows. Yeah. Calling ESPN shows. Did you say you saw somewhere... I haven't been as active on social media today on Twitter, but, uh, which is unusual... Did you say Luke McCown for the Houston Texans job might be rumored about? Listen, in a in a ploy to make me
2: just have a great weekend and look at Texans Twitter, the Texans <laughs> now are are interviewing. Is it Luke or Josh? Josh McCown.
1: I'm sorry, Josh. Josh yeah, McCown. my bad. What's so up, Luke? Uh, Luke threw four interceptions against the Jets and gave us playing gabber early.
2: <laughs> oh, okay. Well, he's still a good guy. He is, I enjoy but that's playing what he with did. him. I, I know. Hey. <laughs> I was there, sir. Do I hate him? Do, no. Are we supposed to hate him for doing that? Brent sounds like he does. I don't bitter. hate him
1: for <laughs> it, but I mean it's partly you, his fault. Okay. Uh,
2: <laughs> did you lose some money that game or something? Yeah, you, you have some stakes oh, in that I game. Oh, I was there for that game though. Oh, okay. I don't know if
1: it's four interceptions or three. Try being on the field for that game. And see how It <laughs> <laughs> pans out, bro. Actually, I might have been on the field. <laughs> was a doing the microphone by, ooh, on the side. <laughs> that was a game that we weren't <laughs> supposed to lose like that. Let's just say. No, it wasn't. No, Jets weren't very good then. Have they? I mean, have they been? No, I mean they've had a year or two, but that wasn't one of them. Like. Wasn't supposed to be one of them. Yeah, we've had some miserable games against the Jets. I think here in Jacksville because, uh, or at the I've never been a New York at team. Met Life, yeah, because uh, Marquise Lee. Remember he dropped that third oh. down, or that that could have well, led to thin, a win.
2: And then the one where Doug Martin went for two that was kind of the well, curse that was that,
1: but I was, Okay, But okay, that you. was a win. Yeah, but that was the curse. That was the curse game. Curse game. We're doing. We're gonna. We've got a Super Bowl special coming up uh, in a couple weeks. Yeah, and. I really – one of the stories I want to do is the Jags tied to the Jets. Yeah. Obviously because they are now with the Trevor See? Lawrence stuff.
2: Well, you know what? And, and I don't feel sorry for him because if they would have kept me on that team, I would have I would had some sage at the end of that game. I would have went to that sage, went to the end zone where you went for two, and I would have been <laughs> like, yep, oh,
1: good vibes. Please, uh yo God's help us out here. Yeah, we brought the sage in here before. Uh, with all eyes on the Texas head coaching search, the team conducted interviews today with former NFL head coach Jim Caldwell, longtime NFL QB Josh McCown. Do it. Do it. I mean, they are – if they put the job on Craigslist, do you think people would be interested? I mean – Is Craigslist still a thing, guys? Uh, yeah, they're still uh, a thing. Yeah. They are? Okay. Or it's a still a thing, Yeah. yeah. I'm sure there is. Yeah. Is there like a new thing? You know, it's like eBay, then Craigslist. Is there well, a new there's, uh, thing? There's
2: an app, right? Well, there's like Facebook
1: Marketplace. Swipswap? I think that's what it's oh, called.
2: Swipswap. Swap. I've heard of that. Yeah, there's Facebook
1: Marketplace. Okay.
2: Yeah. I feel like Craigslist is kind of a dying commodity. I do Maybe too. I'm I feel wrong, like I'm
1: outdating dating myself here a little nah, bit with man, Craigslist. man. It's not like you said MapQuest or something. You're all <laughs> nah, right, man. Don't be like, so hard on yourself. Yeah. Like, uh, what's the other one that was before Facebook? MySpace. My, uh, uh, MySpace. MySpace. <laughs> I was what the eight. old People say yeah. all the time, is like, you, space Could you yeah. imagine, though? <laughs> did, you like, did you have my, MySpace? I didn't.
0: But could you imagine, oh, though, on, if MySpace man. was still a thing? Like, we go back and we look at, like, the last things Alan Robinson liked. We could be like, oh my gosh, he made Urban Meyer and his top eight friends. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'll tell you what, man, if you go back to my MySpace page, I might might be grounds for dismissal here on the show. So let's not talk about going back in time and seeing <laughs> each other's MySpace not. pages. Yeah,
1: You, you I don't you, feel you like flying solo. You ain't trying to see my top eight, man. All that riff raff that was going on. Those MySpace pages. How surprised, what do you seriously think about a Josh McCown who's never coached? I mean, I know he's done some high school stuff, but come on, uh, to the Texans. I mean, is that really a thing?
2: Could that work? I'm going to be honest, Brent. When we have the narratives that you're bringing in, former NFL quarterback Josh McCown, whose only experience is coaching high school, and we have Eric bien still just sitting on the sidelines, twiddling his thumbs, if you will. um, It just, to me, it makes the Houston Texans look bad. But they have no problem doing that, so you all just keep on doing that, and I'll keep reading your mentions.
1: I, I mean, mean, it's it's a it's a joke, I it, think. It, it is nothing to do with Josh McCown. I mean, my, no. it, in fact, people say unbelievable things about him. I think the th- wasn't it the Eagles? Was he with the Eagles this year? Who's his backup? One of the backups. Uh, the, yeah, I thought they did. The Texans trade for him though. Well, like I thought I, he was on the Eagles, but then ended up on the Texans. By uh, well, the way, they set right up here. this thing though, where he could go do the high school stuff and fly back in. Like, it was one of those situations. So, the last
2: team that jo- – so, yeah, Josh McCown, good call, Kuz, is on the Texans. So, he was on the Texans. It says 2020 to present. And you know how up-to-date Wikipedia is.
1: <laughs> I didn't realize he was on is the this, Texans. Is this like a – space? is he still playing? It says active. Yeah, I don't think he's So, retired. this is like a Space Jam situation he's going to coach and play? But I think he had one of – well, he's, I don't think he's going to do that, but I think he did awesome. have one of those situations where he could go fly back on Fridays to, like, be with uh, whatever team he was helping coach. Yeah. He was one of those weird deals. But uh, – I, I mean, so this—that is, I mean, you want to get people talking. You hire Josh McCown instead of offering the job. You have to be turned down by Eric Bieniemy before you offer the job to Josh McCown, right?
2: I think you have to be turned down by a lot of people before you offer the job to Josh McCown. Well, but, I mean, but,
1: from a minority oh, standpoint, they did—they did interview Jim Caldwell today as well.
2: No, but I'm just saying, like, if you bring on Josh McCown and he's the best candidate, like, you want to talk about a risk? Like, forget the college coaches coming
1: on over to the pros. That's a risk, man. Yeah. Who are who are these some of these guys that are getting hired? I mean Campbell out of nowhere, the well, was, Indianapolis was, guy to Philly. Me. They they're not gonna ever fill the Houston job I think. <laughs> Hey, here's the fun fact
2: about Josh McConn, you know where he's from? Jacksonville. Jacksonville, North Texas. North Carolina or Texas? This is Jacksonville, Texas. This is Jacksonville, North Carolina too. Is it really? Yeah. Jacksonville, Texas, for people listening at home, it has a population of fourteen thousand five hundred and forty. It's like
1: Ashland, right? I'd never heard of Ashland before. Ashland. Any yeah, excuse to put Ashland on the map. Then there's an right? Ashland, Maine. There's an Ashland, Kentucky. There's an Ashland, Massachusetts, believe it or not. Yep. And no one could care less about any of them. Except for the Boom. Ashland University. Oh, gotcha. Is that one dude still playing, that tight end? Sheen? Right? Yeah, Sheen. Where's he at? Yeah, he okay. It was Miami. Uh, still a little ticked okay. off the Dolphins okay. didn't. I mean, Jags ball. didn't go after okay. okay, you say, okay. I can't wait to bring up the Adam Shaheen
2: numbers. Go, go, ahead, come go back, real quick. All right. Come
1: back, dude. We're done. Oh, that's right, man. Come <laughs> back on Monday.
2: <laughs> I mean, should we just let it know it towards the weekend? Hang <laughs> yeah, on, because how much time we got?
0: You're going to have less than 30 seconds. All right. right. Live, vocal loud, coming oh, yeah. up next. You, you
2: don't want to segue out of this. Uh, so he's got... 12 receptions, three touchdowns. That's pretty good ratio. <laughs> 12 receptions <laughs> all last season, but that's okay. That's like, your, it's okay. That's like Hootie's tweets that's today. Okay, a good sure, ratio.
1: Yeah, I'm sure it's like some kind of punt fake two or something they did. Whatever, Brett. That'll be a UNF game against Kennesaw on ESPN Plus tonight. Plus CBS 47 and Fox 30. Have a I'll good weekend, you there, guys. You yeah, have a great weekend.